Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media, episode number 99. Nick, could you believe we made it to almost 100 episodes? Men in Black 3. Yep, so I like to wear sunglasses for the podcast because I suffer from migraines. My brother Nick is making fun of me, apparently, by wearing his sunglasses too. Clearly, he he has no... um, no regard for for the problems that I have to deal with uh, in my everyday life. He'd rather it's not sunny. On me it's and- not sunny in either of our rooms, and all you see is the reflection of the screen in our glasses. And honestly, not seeing somebody's eyeballs is like not having a personal touch of who they are as humans. I took the glasses off. You want to take? Yeah, the glasses you know off? what? Put them back on. I don't like what I see. Put them back on. All right, my holy king. Go Brooklyn, go Brooklyn. Good afternoon. So first off, I want to apologize for two things to everyone out there. When the James Harden deal went down, I immediately got on Twitter. I went live and I put out um, a reaction video, which I think was some of my best content of all time. Now, because I didn't have Nick with me and I was doing it by myself, I had nobody to sound check me. So for the first 10 minutes of a 32-minute video, I was on mute. Nobody could hear me. Not great. Probably should be better. But first off, I want to apologize to everyone out there listening who tried to listen, who heard, who couldn't hear me. That's on me. I'll be better next time. I hope you guys hear me today. Second thing that I want to apologize for before we get into everything that's related. Um, the reason that me and Nick are alive on a Sunday afternoon and we're not live like per usual Monday nights. Uh, I'm starting a new job tomorrow on Monday. If you're listening, I I started the job today, Monday. And um, I just didn't want to have to rush home to do the show with Nick. I think the Nets play tomorrow anyway. Uh, So it just wasn't worth it on my first day of, of my new job, which is an office job, which I have to commute 40 minutes to, to do a fireside Nets podcast. But we're, we're bringing you at number 99, we're bringing it to you on a Sunday, and you will. If you're not watching us on Twitter, you will hear us Monday. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to change permanently, but we're going to try it out this week and, and see how we like it. Any words before we get started, Nick? Uh, don't make. Are we on? Uh, are we being? Are we? Are we on mute right now, or can people hear us? No, people can hear us, but you're speaking very softly. All right, good. All right. So, and you're not even going to congratulate me on the new job. I congratulate you on that. I don't have to congratulate you in public. I congratulate. I would you. like you to congratulate me on the podcast. People think you're an asshole to me. Yeah, that's fine. Anyway, um, my holy king writes: work is more important than basketball. Uh, I tend to disagree with you. And he also said, uh, "Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Rams." Well, it's the Rams. I mean, if you Rams. if you think the if you think the Bengals are going to win, come on, give me a break. Thank you, my holy king. I appreciate it, and thanks for listening. All right, let's get into some Nets talk. We're going to start, obviously, with the blockbuster trade. The Nets trade James Harden and Paul Millsap to the Philadelphia 76ers, and in return, the Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first-round pick, and then a 2027 first-round pick. So, And there are contingencies want- on when wh- what pick it is, whether or not we end up being able to actually utilize it. Of course. So I want to start – with the hoopla 
on that day that led to this. Honestly, I did not think it was going to get done. I thought that the Rams were going to keep James Harden for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, the Rams. The Nets were going to keep James Harden for the rest of the season. Uh, Lo and behold, an article comes out, and and basically it almost seemed like a scene from a movie where Daryl Morey's on the phone with Sean Marks. He's saying, don't hang up the fucking phone, Sean. Stay on the fucking phone. And and Marks is laughing. He's like, all right, like we're we're dropping F-bombs now, Daryl. What are we doing here? Um, I I think – you know, and we can sort of, I want to get into your reaction, but I think what it came down to was Marx was asking the world for, for James Harden and rightfully so Maury was saying, I'm not going to give you my young pieces, the Tyrese Maxis, the Matisse Thibels. You're not going to get those guys, but fine. I'll cave on Andre Drummond. I'll cave on Seth Curry. I'll throw in some picks. Obviously you're going to get Simmons because he doesn't want to play here and I'm trying to unload him. Um, so I think that's what it came down to. I think it came down to, Marks blinked first, and I'm not saying that the Nets lost this trade. I think both teams won, but I think that Marks said, okay, fine. I won't try to pry Thibel or Maxi from you. I'll take this package. So that, that was my interpretation of, of how the trade went down. I think that Marks sort of said, I'll take your offer. We'll go with that. Um, what did you think when you first heard of what the return was for James Harden and Paul Millsap? I honestly don't care that much about Thibault and Maxi. I mean, cool if they're in there, cool if they're not, in my opinion. I think Seth Curry was the biggest piece of the puzzle for me. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with what we ended up getting. I mean, we've talked about this before. You mentioned it on the, on the last live pod. We got a bunch of intangibles that we did not have. We got a bunch of, of types of players that we were missing. I mean, if you look at the grand scheme of things, if we have three superstars on our team, we have Harden, Durant, and Kyrie, who are all offensive juggernauts. Now we have a team of two offensive superstars, uh, ben Simmons, arguably one of the best defensive players uh, in the league. Andre Drummond, one of the best rebounders in the league. And Seth Curry, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Some might even say a little bit of an improvement on Joe Harris because of what he can do besides shooting the ball. He can play a little. He can create his own shots. He's a better passer. He's a better defender. So uh, I think what we did with what we got, yes, maybe it wasn't everything we could have squeezed uh, out of Maury in the grand scheme of things, but we did it on a, t- on a, on a crunch. We did it, obviously, when tensions were high. Something needed to happen. There needed to be a change in both organizations, but obviously we're focused on Brooklyn here. But overall, uh, I'm extremely happy with what we got in return. Uh, like I just said, we, we got things that we needed, things we didn't have, things that are going to be big factors. And I don't think we sacrificed much in terms of having that offensive power. Harden's incredible. Harden's going to have a huge impact on the Sixers, but we have enough on- offensive talent. What we were missing were there's other pieces. We will get to James Harden. We will both share our, our thoughts on his call it brief tenure with the Nets, uh, very up and down roller coaster ride uh, Nets fans had with this dude, the beard. But I want to stay with the trade. So the first thing I want to say is, do you want to tell me and all the listeners out there, I told you so? Because let's rewind all the way back to, I want to say what, January of last year when this Big trade for James Harden initially went down. We gave up Karis LeVert. We gave up Jared Allen. We gave up Torian Prince, Rodion Kurooks, all these guys to get James Harden. And at the time, Nick, you said, I'm not happy. You said, I'm not pumped about losing Karis LeVert or Jared Allen. I feel like we lost a little bit of our culture, a little bit of our, our identity. And it's, it's at the time, it was a very unpopular opinion. And I told you that you're crazy. This is James Harden. He's a once in a lifetime talent. You don't, you know, these, these opportunities don't. I'm always right. 
these opportunities don't come around that often to to have three of the top 10 players in the NBA. And you said, fuck all that. I don't care. I would have preferred to keep Jared Allen and, and Karis LeVert. So this is sort of your victory lap. Tell me what you're feeling right now. Are, are you sort of feeling that I told you so mentality? Not really, because I feel like I completely bought into it once Harden started playing well. And once once we had those guys on the court, I in the beginning, yeah, I mean, dude, Harden has been marred with so much controversy. He is such a head case. Uh, he seems to really be a me guy. He really makes the NBA seem like a business uh, and that he has no loyalty to cities, teams, players, coaches, fans, organizations, anything like that, which at this point, I mean, as a fan of basketball, as a fan of the Nets, you want players to have that pride in your team. You want them to feel like they're going out there every day, no matter who's injured, no matter what the lineup is, no matter what the situation is, and giving it all they got. And, and I was nervous Harden uh, would not do that. I was nervous Harden would come. Uh, he would be a head case. There would be drama, uh, and there would be a lot of controversy. In the beginning, there was not. And when you see Harden play, and you see him put up triple doubles, and you see him score, and you see what he can create on offense, the the what he could bring out of other players like Nick Claxton, what he could bring out of other players like Joe Harris that you did not, you know, feeding them the ball, getting them the right spots, drawing doubles, drawing triples, drawing fouls. So once I saw Harden play, then of course I was just freaking jubilant. It was amazing to see him play. Uh, we had a huge, amazing start. I know a couple of games in the beginning of the season were rough. And then we jumped to first place after a couple of weeks and it was feeling great. So I was fully bought in to Harden. And I was fully accepting the fact that maybe I was wrong. Uh, everything was going to be great. Couple injuries, a uh, couple dark twists. And here we are now sitting in the position where I th- exactly what I thought in the beginning might happen came to fruition. Did I even think about it until the past couple of weeks? No, I really didn't think it would happen. But now sitting here, yes, I have to go back to my former self and say, I was right. I had a right to be worried. I had a right to, to, uh, come back at all you guys who are shitting on me for saying I was crazy for thinking this trade might not be a, a great idea. With that said, do I, am I happy that it happened? No. Am I, am I happy that shit hit the fan and we're on what an 11 game losing streak and now we're fucking fighting for an eighth spot in the East? No, I'm not happy that all this happened. So I'm not going to say I told you so. Ha ha ha. Um, but in the, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I'm glad with where we are now more than where we were when we got Harden originally. I think I would rather have, and I've said this for the past couple weeks, I would rather have Ben Simmons. I know he also is a head case. I know he's got a lot of shit behind him, but hey, I think he's ready to turn a, a new leaf. And listen, all these Sixers fans that are so ecstatic, yes, I, you got a huge improvement. Simmons wasn't playing. So you right. theoretically just got Harden for Curry and Drummond. Congrats. You just got one of the best offense players in the league for probably your, your, your fourth guy. Uh, a knockdown shooter and Drummond, who obviously is, is a great rebounder, but he's kind of towards the tail end of his career. So I get it, but I am concerned for Sixers fans now too. If Harden doesn't win a championship this year, is it championship or bust? Is this team now going to really be dependent so much on the immediate future that if it, it blows up like the Rockets did, and now the Rockets are one of the fucking worst teams in the West in complete rebuild mode. So uh, I'm not going to say I told you so to anybody. I am happy with where we're at now. I wish it didn't have to come all the way here to where we are losing games. Uh, and I also just want to make the point that I am feeling for Sixers fans. I wouldn't get all your hopes up just yet. Cause I did the same thing. Spencer did the same thing and look what happened. So a few things here and we'll, we'll get into James Harden right now. Um, it, it was almost like 
one of those relationships that seemed too good to be true, right? You start a relationship with a beautiful partner. The sparks are flying right away. You guys are going out to dinner every single night. No fighting. You're, you're on that high of a new relationship. And then obviously the Durant injury happened last year. Kyrie was in and out of the lineup a little bit last year. And that was when Harden flourished. He, he had that huge moment against the Phoenix Suns. And I know everyone wants to point to that series against the Bucks that he came back and he toughed it out on the bum hamstring. That was admirable. We lost the series and he played like shit on a bum hamstring, but admirable. I point to, to his best moment as a net, that Phoenix Suns game. We didn't have Kyrie. We didn't have KD. He willed a team where I think Tyler Johnson was the second leading scorer in that game to victory. So that is what I will always remember as like the peak James Harden of the Nets. You know, history plays out. He gets hurt. He's out for a few weeks. He tries to come back against the Bucs. Doesn't really work. Boom. You move on to the next season. And that is where things started to go downhill. Kyrie not playing because he's unvaccinated. So then it becomes the big two. It's just KD and Harden. For the most part, they were successful. But you start to hear these, these sort of rumblings that even before KD's injury, him and Harden weren't really talking. They weren't on the same page. They didn't communicate a ton. Take that for what you will. Harden maybe not isn't the most communicative guy on the team, whatever. But then Kyrie comes back. He's part-time. And that is sort of where I think things went wrong. I don't think that Harden and Kyrie were ever really boys. I think Harden liked the idea of playing with Kevin Durant a lot more than he liked the idea of playing with Kyrie Irving. For some reason, I just don't think those two personalities mesh. Kyrie is a very spiritual, very peaceful, you know, he, he, he's in tune with, with himself and, and all that stuff. And James Harden is a partner. He's going out to strip clubs. He's going out to bars. He's, he's hanging out with a little baby. You know, he's, he's, he's living the high life. And, and it's just, it, there were two different personalities. And I think when it came to basketball, it finally sort of came to a head where Harden was like, okay, KD's hurt. We haven't really spoken in a while. Kyrie's part-time. I don't want to carry this roster when, when Kyrie's out and KD's out. And also we're losing a lot of games. So, oh, oh yeah. My buddy, Daryl Morey's over in Philadelphia. They're playing great. Joel Embiid looks like a freaking MVP. I'm going to dog it. I'm not going to give my all. And that was the, that was the moment in that Sacramento Kings game where he knew he wasn't giving his all. He played like shit. We lost that game. And then the next few games, he's out with a quote unquote hamstring injury. So, in my original analogy with the relationship, this is where the fighting begins. You're not talking to each other. You know, there's that elephant in the room that you just aren't right for each other. That's what happened. So Sean Marks came to a point where he said, okay, I have this disgruntled superstar who doesn't want to be here and will most likely sign in Philadelphia in the offseason. I have this opportunity where Kevin Durant's out. We're in, we're in the eighth spot in the East. I need to make a move. I need to shake things up. I know Daryl Morey wants James Harden. And, and the crazy thing about all this is, you know, people forget two to three weeks before all these reports came out, the Nets, Sean, uh, Sean Marks took a call from Daryl Morey earlier this year. And he said, hey, I'm interested in James. And Marks was like, who? He's like, Harden. And Marks is like, no, not at all. Hung up the phone. Are you sure he didn't mean James Johnson? That's well, that, that's why Marks asked. Marks thought maybe he was asking about James Johnson. But no, my, my point being, um, it just got to a point where Sean Marks had to do something. And I, I think he made the move that was best for not only the short term, because saying that Harden, KD, and Kyrie could have worked it out is a lot easier said than done. You still need Kyrie to play home games. We're not sure where we are with that. You still need KD to come back from the injury and all of a sudden 
you know, you need him and Harden to gel right away. Um, I think that Sean Marks made the move that was best for this franchise. And the final thing I'll say about James Harden is fuck James Harden. If he did not want to be here, then he should not be here. But guess what? When he bullied his way out of Houston and asked for a trade, the Nets were one of the only destinations he wanted to go to. So he got his wish then. This year, he has lost a step. He has not been as good. So I want to call it for what it is. I'm not as mad about trading James Harden because we did not get the best version of James Harden that we have seen in the NBA. We got a guy who's a step slow. He is not shooting well from three-point range. He he is not beating guys off the dribble like he used to. Um, so all the Sixers fans that are rejoicing, that are happy, you got James Harden. Kudos to you guys, but you got a thick James Harden who has not played elite basketball this year. He's played good basketball. He's still a top 20 player. He's still an all-star. But when I got James Harden on the Nets, when we got James Harden, we got a top five player in the NBA, and he has not showed that this year. So uh, that's my final thing is fuck James Harden. You know, maybe he turns it on in Philly, but I I just don't think so. I mean, dude, look at what uh, Kyrie and KD both said about him in the aftermath, right? Kyrie was like, he didn't seem happy. Uh, Kyrie was very mature and respectful of his response. Said something along the lines, and I'm going to paraphrase, he didn't seem happy here. You know, I, I wish him the best. Uh, he seems to be in a place where he's more comfortable. We don't want anybody here who's not happy to be here. And KD said something along the same lines. Then you see the, the all-star uh, picks with KD and LeBron. Where that was the, very funny. Where towards the end, you there were that? two. Hilarious, yeah, yeah. yeah there were t- so LeBron and KD were the captains of the all-star teams. They're picking their teams. There's two picks left, James Harden and Rudy Gobert. And KD with a straight face says something like, well, you know, I really need size, so I think I'm going to go with Gobert. And then you got Ernie Johnson and Shaq and Chuck all laughing, watching this in the background. You got LeBron covering his face with the clipboard, trying not to laugh because KD clearly did not want to pick James Harden. Uh, And then at the end, uh, LeBron goes, I'll take Harden. Uh, Is he even playing? And I think it was Chuck who made a joke like, oh, yeah, he's on the Sixers now. He's playing again. His hamstrings all fixed. Right, right. He got traded. His hamstrings fine. Yeah, so, so you got and – and you can see with KD, man, it's like I don't think KD – and KD does a good job of not being blatantly angry or disrespectful. It's funny that KD really wasn't trying to laugh. I don't think he KD really wanted beef. He kind of just didn't want Harden on his team. He was like, I'm going to take Gobert. We need some size, okay? And everyone's laughing. KD's like, no, nah, seriously, I don't want to play with him. But I'm not trying to be – you know, I'm, I'm not trying to start a, a, a fight here. I'm not trying to mock the guy. But what does that say about how Harden treated this organization that Kyrie – feels it's the best move for him. And KD's kind of like, fuck off. We don't really need you anymore. I mean, KD and Kyrie, I think as much as Kyrie has this whole COVID shit going on, they both believe in the mission and they believe in the team. And that has not faltered. And I think it sucks to see a guy like Harden come in on such a fucking big deal and such a, and one of the biggest obvious uh, uh, transactions was Harden coming in and Harden leaving over the past year, probably in the NBA. Uh, and for him to not be fully bought in, is just, a, is, it's a buzzkill to every player on the team, to every fan in the organization, but also mostly to KD and Kyrie who were like, hey, us three are the guys together who are going to bring a championship to this team. And now halfway through the season, some shit doesn't go your way and you're immediately looking elsewhere? Fuck you. I'll tell you the difference between Kyrie – I'm sorry, James Harden and Kevin Durant. Nets fans will forever be indebted to Kevin Durant for what he did in that playoff series against Milwaukee when, you know, Kyrie gets hurt. And the rest of that roster, let's face it, Joe Harris couldn't hit shit in that series. Blake Griffin looked a little bit old in that series. Jeff Green was was hurt. James Harden was playing on a bum hamstring. Kevin Durant willed that team to that Game 5 victory. Yes, they lost in seven, but but 
Kevin Durant was amazing. And think about the beginning of this year. We didn't have Kyrie in the beginning of the year. James Harden wasn't playing elite for the first few weeks of the season. Kevin Durant was the reason that we were in first place. Did Kevin Durant cry and whine about Kyrie Irving being out? Hell no. Hell no. He took it as a challenge on himself to win games for the Brooklyn Nets. That is the difference in character between Kevin Durant and between James Harden. When things got tough for Kevin Durant, he laced up his shoes. He buckled down. He said, let's do this. When things got tough for James Harden, when the going got tough for James Harden, James Harden got going. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's the difference between those two guys. Um, so uh, my final grades for this trade, by the way, and, and you can tell me if you disagree or not, I want to give the Nets a B plus. I agree with you that they got better. Um, in rebounding, shooting. I mean, Ben Simmons brings a, a defensive intensity and, and passing intangibles that, yeah, obviously the passing you had with Harden, but the defensive side of things you didn't have. You didn't have a, a great rebounder. None of your big guys are great at rebounding. You now have Andre Drummond, and you added another sharpshooter in Seth Curry who can sort of help until Joe Harris gets back. Um, and also Curry's having I mean, a career I think year. it's going to be uh, when Joe Harris gets back, I don't think it's going to affect. I think Curry takes the starting spot. But I still look at it like initially when you traded for James Harden, the two big pieces you gave up were Karis Levert and Jared Allen. So my question to you, Nick, and, and first of all, do you agree? I gave the Nets a B plus. Who are I now gave, reunited, Karis Levert. They and are. Jared they are in Cleveland. In Cleveland. We'll, start with, we'll start with the grades, and then I'll get to that question. I gave the Nets a B plus with this trade. I gave the Sixers an A minus. And the real reason I gave the Sixers an A minus is because I think they won in the short term. And when you said that they just traded Seth Curry and Andre Drummond for James Harden because Simmons wasn't playing, I think that was spot on. So I gave the Nets a B plus. I gave the Sixers a A minus. What do you think of those uh, grades? Are you taking it's difficult because are you taking into consideration the trade that led to the trade? Because well, I'm gonna I'm gonna things, I'm gonna talk about that, but first let's okay. start with so this. I, I guess I would I would honestly give us an A minus as well as the Sixers. Uh because okay. like I said, I like Thibault. He's a solid defender, he's a young guy, he's gonna be he's gonna be solid. I don't think he's ever gonna be great. Uh Maxi, I think, uh, has some great X factor. I think he's gonna end up being uh, a big offensive threat in this league, who will probably leave the Sixers at some point to have a bigger impact on a team. Um, if, if Harden's going to be there for a couple of years. With that said, uh, I, I don't think we needed Maxi uh, right now. I, we have Kyrie. Now we have Simmons. We have Patty Mills, who's been unbelievable off the bench in the guard spot. So I'll give us an A minus. But if you're going to look back in the grand scheme and say, okay, in order to give up Levert and Allen to get this, this, to then get Harden, to then give away Harden, that affects the, the, the grading of the trade taking all transactions into consideration because then you kind of cut out the middle and you're like, okay, so what did we theoretically do traded away Levert and Allen for Simmons, uh, uh, Drummond, and Seth Curry. And that, you so that come is my question. What do, you, what do you think of that? What do you think of getting rid of Karis Levert and Jared Allen and getting it, back this return? It muddles it a little bit for me, honestly. It, it, it's not as sweet. I, I almost right. want to be like a goldfish, short-term memory, pretend that trade didn't happen and just be happy with this trade because I do think we, we did get better. But it almost feels like it was like, okay, we went from a A-minus with the Levert down to a, 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 a it almost, I don't want to, it's, it's not going to explain it well. It just, it just seemed like we could have cut out this whole Harden shit and even got more originally for oh. Levert and Allen or right. kept Levert and Allen. And I would rather, if you said to me right now, would you rather have Levert and Allen or Simmons and Drummond? That's like a whole different situation. That's Obviously, the question. That That's Curry's sort of the question. Too. I would rather have Jared Allen than Drummond uh, yeah. 100%. I, Drummond's on the tail end, like I said. I think he's solid. But Jared Allen, I think, is borderline all-star, and he's going to be for the next few years. If you're saying right now Simmons uh, or Levert, 
I would probably take Simmons. I would take yeah. Simmons. I don't think Levert is – I think everyone has this, this vision of Levert um, being a, a great scorer, being like almost like a, a smaller KD who could shoot, create his own shots. Uh, he could drive. He's he's very great ball handler, uh, very great one-on-one isolation situations. With that said, he's not evolving as quick as I think people have expected him to. Uh, when we traded him away and he went to the Pacers, I think it, I know he was coming off an injury. It still took him a while to get back to form, and he still didn't seem like he was the guy in that organization. Now he goes to a kind of a stacked young Cleveland team with Garland. Sexton's going to come back after this year. Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and I think he'll have a good impact. I mean, uh, they're calling uh, who, who's the coach of Cleveland? Um, I'd have to look. That you know up. it is. I, it's um, well, is it Biggerstaff? JB Biggerstaff. Yeah, Biggerstaff was saying. Uh, he thinks Levert's the missing piece of the puzzle for them. I don't think that's true. I think he'll be a good player, but he's not going to thread the needle. So that's a, that's a tough question. I would rather have Simmons and Levert, and I would rather have Allen than Drummond. But I think Seth Curry, to me, is the kicker in the situation. So I'll actually say, speaking out loud right now, that I think we ended up winning in the long term. You know how old Andre Drummond is, by the way? You want to guess? It's like 30, right? He's 28. Really? Damn. Yeah, it's pretty young. I mean, Ben Simmons is 25. And then what is Seth Curry's age? It just Seth seemed Curry, like Drummond had such a quick decline once he once he left the uh, Pistons. Seth Curry's thirty one. Yeah, I knew that. I knew Out that. of those three guys, that's very interesting. Um, no, I'm I'm excited. I, look, at the end of the day, you know you can't change history. Do I wish we had Karis LeVert and Jared Allen in this situation with KD and Kyrie? Yeah, I do. I think they'd help a lot. But I'm excited to see what Ben Simmons. Look, we forget Ben Simmons was elite at a few things. He was horrible at shooting, and he did come up short in that in you know a few playoff series. I, I totally acknowledge that. But when it came to passing, when it came to defending, when it came to rebounding, when it came to finishing around the rim, there are a few guards in the league that are better than Ben Simmons. He can cover one, two, five. So out of all those guys we just mentioned, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Ben Simmons, whatever, Ben Simmons has the most potential to be great. And playing off of Kyrie and, and KD can absolutely do wonders for this guy. Very excited to see him, excited to see Curry, excited to see Drummond. The thing that bothered me about this trade deadline is Sean Marks didn't move anybody else. And I think in a weird way, him and Maury go, and I said this on Nets Twitter, I said, Maury and, and Marks going back and forth with, with all you know these trade negotiations, I think that it, it didn't allow Marks to make any other moves. And when, it, when they push came to shove and they finally made the trade, you had like an hour and a half left in the deadline. So what you're left with is you now have a very, very packed front court. You have Andre Drummond, Nick Claxton, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Dayron Sharp. Those are five guys that have played this year in, in some capacity, significant minutes. So I, I really thought that Mark should have moved at least one of those guys, maybe Nick Claxton. Now that you kept all these guys, you're probably going to have to buy out Blake Griffin eventually when the buyout market comes because you just you can't keep these five guys i'm talking dayron sharp's probably gonna go down to the g league but then you're left with four, four big men and as we saw with Millsap, Millsap was the odd man out when when it was you know those four guys right so or, or five guys so i just i'm not sure that that was the best thing for the nets i do think that marks will be a savage on the buyout market i'm already seeing you know, Goran Dragic is going to be someone the Nets will be interested in now that he's finalized his buyout with the Spurs. will be interesting to see who Dragic chooses. I think that having Dragic in this lineup would do wonders uh, for our backup point guard scenario. Um, but 
Yeah, I just that, that bothered me that Marks wasn't able to move anybody else. And, and like you said about Harden making Claxton better, Harden's gone now. So we're really going to see what Nick Claxton is like without someone who can feed him an alley-oop on every other possession. I do think Simmons can distribute pretty well. I mean, look at his numbers and his passing ability. But in, as far as the pick and roll goes, no one runs the pick and roll game better with a That's big true. than James Harden, which is actually ironic because Joel Embiid is not a pick and roll center. Joel Embiid actually knows who runs a great pick and roll, uh, Trey Young, and that's why Clint Capella was able right. to find another good. Well, my point is, a lot of people in Philly think that fit's going to be amazing. I don't think the fit with Harden and and Embiid's going to be great. It's going to take some time because Embiid is a center who likes the ball in his hands, whether it's out of the post, top of the key. It's going to be interesting to see how those two play off each other. I think you're going to see a lot more of like taking turns on possessions as opposed to Harden using Embiid in the pick and roll. I agree. It's not, it's not going to be a one-two. It's going to be, hey, we're both unbelievable offensive players. I'm hot right now. You're hot right now. Feed it off, draw a double, find the other person. I agree. Um, but by the way, we are talking about age before. Ben Simmons is 25 years old. 25. That is huge. Um, my final thought on all this stuff, and this kind of gets lost in the mix, how cold-blooded is it that Doc Rivers traded his son-in-law he also traded his son at one point. So it's really uh, – <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a business, man. Uh, Doc Rivers is doing what it takes to win. And I, I honestly uh, – as, as much as Seth Curry has become a staple of the Sixers team, I think there's big opportunity for Curry in Brooklyn uh, uh, to be a really important uh, factor and contributor to this team. So, yeah, Doc Rivers has done some weird stuff. And there's this whole article about, like, Doc Rivers traded for Paul George, who cheated on his daughter, and then he traded away his son-in-law. So Doc Rivers seems to put basketball before a family. But, hey, I respect him, man. He wants to win. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And listen, Kevin Durant has already won a championship with one Curry brother. If he Do you wins think with Doc Seth, Rivers would sacrifice Austin's life to win a championship this year? Uh, only Doc Rivers can answer that. If, if KD is able to win with Seth, he would be the only player in the NBA to win with multiple Curry brothers. That's cool. That's a cool. Pretty cool. cool. Pretty cool. No, I just thought that was a funny, uh, funny scenario. Um, midnight comments. And by the way, we get live comments in here. So if you ever see, hear me reading someone's name, midnight comments, Doc threw Seth under the bus, just like Ben. Uh, I'm not sure if I, I would need an example of that. I mean, Daryl Morey is really the person who made the trade. Obviously, he had to get Doc's sign-off. But I wouldn't say that Doc threw Seth under the bus. Um, but I mean, I'll no, he threw someone yeah. under the bus. The, the Sacramento Kings threw Halliburton under the bus. They called him 30 oh, man. minutes. Listen, this is a Nets podcast. We're not, we're not going to get into the Tyrese Halliburton. But what I will stuff, say, uh, I understand that it does feel like he, he kind of screwed uh, Seth over. I don't think Doc is to blame for Ben Simmons' meltdown. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ever blame a coach for being hard on a player and talking shit about a player. I mean, listen. I was just watching Remember the Titans this morning. Fantastic movie. Coach Billy Yost, the uh, defensive coordinator, came down on Donald Faison, who was playing Petey, the cornerback, and Petey just took his helmet off and didn't want to play anymore. That's a baby move. If you can't take criticism from your from your GM, from your coach, from your organization, no one's gonna hold your hand and tell you you're beautiful. You go out and play basketball. You get shit if you don't do well. Do you remember what Doc Rivers said after they lost that series? Hey, so Doc Rivers said, I don't know if Ben Simmons can be a championship point guard for this team. All right. He's if I'm Ben Simmons, play. I don't want to play after that either. Okay? No, if I'm Ben Simmons, I hit the gym. And I'll, I'll, tell, you this. I'll tell you this. Earlier in this podcast, you said something along the lines of, oh, you know, Ben Simmons is a head case too. And that was very insensitive of you because Ben Simmons has dealt with mental health issues while he's been in Philadelphia 
over the past year. And it's because the entire fan base wants to throw a glass bottle at his head. I would also suffer from anxiety and depression if an entire city wanted to murder me. So you so just don't play? So you just don't let's play? Let's start there. Yeah, Nick. Yeah, I don't want to get fucking booed in a bot. Like, it's different. Philadelphia is different. People don't understand. Philadelphia is one of the cruelest places in the country when it comes to sports. Okay, if I wear a Giants jersey to an Eagles game, I'm leaving with six stitches in my right eye because nine different people punched me in the face. Three different women. Listen, I'm not. I'm not knocking. Men. I'm not knocking Six. mental health. Mental health is very important. I'm well, no, no, no. But my, my, my point is, my point is this. My point is this. Sure, could Ben Simmons have handled the situation differently with with the Sixers? He showed up to practice, kind of acted like a jerk. Yes, I'm not saying that that he's done everything right. But you c- kind of called when you called him a head case. You said two. You called Harden the head case. Now I'll tell you this: Harden is an asshole. Ben Simmons is a young player who had to deal with this criticism that he wasn't able to handle. And I just think they're different. Like, they're, like I agree. I agree. There are different right. situations, but that's still right. part of the game. If you can't handle the heat, stay out of the kitchen. Sometimes but, no but, one's going to actually shoot Ben Simmons in the parking lot. You're going to, every organization is going to well, come down on their team. Listen, if he has mental health issues, he's to work through. And I wish the best for him. That's amazing. But I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, you know what? Doc Rivers made a mean comment to him. He never has to play again. He, you know what? If he wants to hang him up, like, come on, give me a break. That, there's a middle ground. That's, there's a that's middle fair. ground. There's that's a middle fair. ground. I think he just wanted to change the scenery. And I think I think for him it made sense. But I don't think he did it out of a malicious thing is what I'm trying to say. I agree. With Harden, I, agree. I, I think Harden's a jerk. I think I the second Harden saw that this Nets team was struggling without KD, we could, Harden said, get me the fuck out of here. I Which is I bullshit. Just, I, I mean, Ben Simmons was with Philly for how many years before? Yeah. So, all right. I digress. Right, let's get we to the move games. on. Well, before we get to the games, uh, I mentioned the Nets' interest in Goran Dragic. Would you like that move? I love Goran Dragic. One of my favorite players in the league. Him and Steve Nash played together in Phoenix. So, there is that tie there. And then uh, this was a surprising move. So, after the trade deadline, the Nets, the Nets waived DeAndre Bembry who's had a pretty good year for them. I, I was surprised by this move by Marks. Probably some money – you know, sort of backed decision that goes over my head because I don't understand anything about how players are paid and all that. But if you were going to drop anybody or or release anybody, Javon Carter and Bruce Brown have not played anywhere near what Bembry or how Bembry has played this season. I'd rather have Bruce Brown than Bembry in the long term. Uh, I – Javon Carter is a mystery to all of us. Steve Nash just fuck. I don't know. I think Steve Nash and Javon Carter like play Hello Kitty together after practice and like trade Pokemon cards or something because they seem to be the best of buddies. And Steve Nash tells Javon Carter to go in and crunch time and huck threes. So that's a mystery to me. I'm not super bummed about Brembry. I think you can make an argument for Bruce Brown, but I don't think it's black and white. Uh, but yeah, I'm not super bummed about it. We added a bunch more firepower to our team. We'll be okay. I really like Bembry's defensive intensity, and I like the way that he sort of played off a lot of the different nets. But I digress. You know, another team will, will be happy to pick him up. Uh, Midnight clarified earlier. He said that Doc said we needed a point guard when he made the trade. So I guess in a way that's throwing Seth under the bus, saying that Seth's not a real point guard. He kind of isn't. He's more of a, a, a combo guard hybrid. But still, it's your son-in-law. Maybe speak a little bit nicer on him. Um, all right, we get to the Nets Heat game. Uh, the final score of the Nets Heat game, and this, this was this was an absolute, you know, killer for for Nets fans. One fifteen, one eleven. I mean, there were three stars of this game for the Nets. Cam Thomas was electric in this one. Um, Nick, could you please pull up the stats because I don't have. Oh, here we go. 
Well, Kyrie had 29 points. A lot of those points came in that in that fourth quarter, uh, where I think he had 18 straight. The Nets were down big in this game. I think the, I don't know what the what the biggest lead was, but they were definitely down. I want to say 20 or 22 or around that number. And um, in that fourth quarter, they were able to outscore the Heat 35 to 24. They really made a push towards the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth. Um, Cam Thomas had 22 points and a huge three-pointer from Cam that put the Nets down one. I think with about 37 seconds left, the Nets foul Jimmy Butler. Butler goes one of two from the line. So the Nets have the ball uh, with 10 seconds left. They're down two points. It's 113 to 111. Tough, you know, Miami's a defensive juggernaut. I got to start there. When you have Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, and and I forget who the fifth was, and that's your defensive unit, that's a fucking tough unit. So they they pressured the hell out of us on that last possession. We get the ball into Blake. Blake gets it to Cam. And the problem was we wasted a lot of time trying to get Kyrie the ball. And by the time Cam tried passing Kyrie the ball and, and Kyrie was over by half court, Kyle Lowry sort of tapped it away um, from Kyrie. When 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 Thomas makes the pass, Kyrie, I'm sorry, Lowry steals it, fast break the other way, game over. Uh, tough way to lose. It's a rookie mistake by Cam Thomas. Either go to the rim, understand the situation, go to the rim, take it to the hoop. Worst case scenario, you get fouled, you miss a shot. But or or be patient and make sure if you're going to get Kyrie the ball, you get him the ball because that 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 was an ill-advised pass by Cam Thomas. Lowry read it perfectly, picked the pass off. Um, and man, how many times has Kyle Lowry absolutely shit in the face of Nets fans? I'm getting tired of this dude. Uh, he he just kills us every time he play, and he didn't even have a great game. Like he was very subpar game for him, but he made the plays when it mattered. Um, tough loss, but I'll say this. You've lost 11 in a row. You did not have Kevin Durant in this game. You didn't. And, and here's the other thing, by the way, we haven't even talked about this. You could have had Seth Curry and Andre Drummond against the Heat. But because Harden showed up in Philadelphia late and he didn't get his physical done until 7 or 8 p.m. that night, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond weren't allowed to play. So that was just a final fuck you from James Harden to the, to the Nets. And we could have used Andre Drummond last night. Make no mistake. Bam Adebayo went to work on the Nets. Um, I mean, listen, so, we, lost, we lost by four to the number one team in the East with half right. of our guys out. Uh, I, did, I didn't right. – it was in our grasp too. So I don't consider this a total loss. I'm also considering all games a wash until we have all our guys fully healthy. With that said, I got to give a shout-out to my boy Duncan Robinson, uh, friends of my friend He's not Jack your Williamson. Boy. He is, he's, he's, my, he's, a a, he's my boy. I'm a boy. He's like the, it's like the, okay. it's the one degree of boyeration. Uh, it's like 17 boy square. points, six for 10, five for eight from three. Uh, glad yeah, to see Duncan oh, get him, him and, back him on track. Him and Strauss had some big threes. I know Strauss only ended uh, up with nine. Max Struess, I think his name is. Um, but 19 for Bam out of bio, 14 points. Hero had 15. He killed us in that second and third quarter. Um, Butler with 13. Gabe Vincent with 11. For the Nets, Bruce Brown had actually a pretty nice game, 11 points, 4 of 6 from the field. Nice response for a lot of Nets fans who thought that he should have been cut instead of Bembry. Um, Dayron Sharp, double-double for Dayron Sharp, 10 points, 12 rebounds. Unfortunately, I think he's going to be riding the pine once Drummond and Aldridge come in. But nice outing for him in 27 minutes. Um, Kyrie Irvin, as I mentioned, 29 points, 10 of 22 from the field. Kyrie was ice cold through three quarters. And then he really picked it up in that fourth quarter. and then. 
you know, the 22 from Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas is a stud. I mean, he is a guy, once he sort of gets that NBA prowess, he he, he starts to understand the, the NBA game a little bit more because I still think he's super raw. But from a scoring perspective, he can score from anywhere on the court. He has a great mid-range for a rookie. Um, if he can get a little bit stronger on his finishes. But what I liked about what he did yesterday, you know, you always think players have to be true to who they are, right? You don't want players acting out of their element. And I think throughout the last few weeks, when you'd see Cam on the fast break, he tried to take it to the rim. And that's not really his strong strong suit. He's not great at taking it to the rack. He was actually shooting pull-up mid-range fast break shots yesterday and drilling them. And that's what I like to see, a guy sticking to what he knows. You know, we all think a three-pointer on the fast break is a bad shot. But Steph Curry has showed us it's not. If you're confident, you know you can hit that shot, it's like a layup. So really like what Cam gave us yesterday. He has been, you know, if you want to look at a bright spot throughout this 11-game losing streak, and and, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, losing 11 straight games sucks. I don't care that you don't have Kevin Durant. I don't care that you you traded James Harden. Everyone on the roster is still in the NBA. You still have some good vets. Um, oh, I forgot to shout out Kessler Edwards, another rookie who had a pretty good game, 13 points. He, he had a nice, nice fourth quarter too. Um, but Cam Thomas, yeah, he has been special to watch. And I think that the more he is able to have performances like these, the more guys like Kyrie and KD are going to trust him. It was just unfortunate that he had that big turnover in the end. I'm with you. All right. So let me take a look at the docket real quick, make sure we're good. Um, final thing I'll ask. Uh, 11 straight losses. Obviously we have KD coming back. We're going to have Andre Drummond and Seth Curry. I think for the three games before the all-star break, we're in the eighth spot. What is your mindset right now? What, what, what do you think the, the state of mind for Nets fans should be? Uh, don't worry. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little why? thing. Why? Tell Nets fans why they don't have to worry. High. And I don't that? want to miss a thing. That's a different song. Well, that's Aerosmith. Um, but who sings the first song? Don't worry. Is that Bob Marley? I'm terrible at names. Um, okay. I think uh, I think we'll be okay. I think we really have to hold on for dear life until we get our guys back and until uh, uh, Simmons, Curry, and, and Drummond can be cleared to play. So I think it sucks right now, but you kind of got to understand. It's Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin sings that song. I apologize. Go on. Did someone Did someone say that? No, I looked um, it up. I just wanted to make sure. Up. No, I uh, listen. Once we went on like a seven game losing streak, it was like, shit, what's going on? And then once we kept losing it at this point, you're kind of like, okay, we got to understand. We're still putting up a decent fight. We put a decent fight against the Warriors, put a fight against the Heat, uh, we put a fight against the Wizards, who are obviously pretty weak and kind of a shitty team. So we should have won that game. Uh, we just got to understand that our best is yet to come. It's still a long way to go in the season. We're still right there in that playoff spot. Uh, uh, we lose a couple more. Maybe we move to the. Um, to the play-in game spot in the ninth, if the Hornets pass us, because if the Hornets are 500 right now, we're still uh, two games above. So I'm not too worried yet pending no more major setbacks. Our guys come, our new guys get cleared to play. You know, Joe Harris, I know he's indefinite right now. I know KD, you know, barring any setbacks, should be okay within the next month or two. So I'm not going to stress right now until I have a reason to. Okay, final three games before the All-Star break. It's the Kings, it's the Knicks, it's the Wizards. Um, hopefully we could take one of those three. I think we can actually take two. I think we probably lose the Kings game, but we can beat the Knicks and the Wizards, but we shall see. All right, Nick, that does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick brought to you by 
Empire Sports Media. We thank everyone for listening. And as always, don't worry. No, that's sing the thing that we catch you on the fire side.